Not everyone is destined for greatness. These are the stories of the damned. I'm Wheels. I'm Logan. I'm Lee. And I want a Coke. I'm Greg. <laughs> uh, this is a little intermission episode. I had the vibe of a children's show host and introducing themselves like, and I'm Logan. Like, I like, <laughs> <laughs> we had our backs please. to each other. Yeah, definitely. No, I made, I struck that pose. Believe it. <laughs> So, this is an intermission episode. As you know, listener, if you've been listening the last few weeks, we're doing uh, an anthology experiment, and we just finished our chapter with Slayers, the game we've been playing. And so, between chapters of the horror, the main, the whole season, uh, we're going to have these little intermission episodes, and, and we're kind of going to do... A little bit of what we do in the after show for a full season and a little bit of we're going to do some kind of wor collaborative world building together, the four of us, that will kind of bridge the gap between this chapter and future chapters. Uh, and then we'll do more of these intermission episodes after each chapter. So that's what's on the agenda today, kids. <laughs> I can start with some of the randomness from the season if you want, um, or would you all want to talk about your characters first? You go first. We do randomness first, right? Yeah. yeah. Usually, but hey, we're, we're doing things different. I can do randomness. So I, I've been struggling with like how much of this I, as an artiste, <laughs> like we should disclose and I should disclose because horror is like, you know, I mentioned it, I think in the last episode in the, you know, mini finale that like horror is kind of like a joke uh, in that both both have kind of set up and punchline in a lot of mm -hmm. senses. And similarly to a joke, it's like the more you explain the joke, the less funny it is. The more you explain something that's scary, the less scary it is. If you're not careful. I don't I don't think I don't think there can you can be careful enough. I think the more you know, like the yeah. it's most horror is built on the unknown. Mm -hmm. And therefore yeah. the more you learn, the less you're scared. Mm. Which is why well, okay, but there are educate like <laughs> like Greg Greg scared forever. What I sort of wanted to do with this chapter at least, and we'll see what my strategy is going forward in in future chapters. Now that we can kind of now that we have the groundwork of this first chapter and what a chapter of the horror looks like, we can probably deviate a little bit, a little bit going forward. But what I was trying to do in the world building setup here was like create a world where like it constantly feels like I'm giving away the farm in that I'm like showing you a ton. And yet each thing just feels like you are, but, but like, even though it feels like you are being taught a lot about how the world works, you're, you only feel like you actually know less and less of it <laughs> as you go through. It's kind of that, actually kind of that Lovecraft thing, right? Of like, yeah. you're seeking forbidden knowledge. And then when you find it, you realize, 
oh no, I had no idea what I was getting into. This is way more complex. Like, so I, I, I can get, I'll, I'll give like, some of it, but there is some stuff that I want to keep behind my little DM <laughs> screen, <laughs> mm-hmm. just because yeah. I think the the, the chapter yeah. is scarier if the listener doesn't know everything. I think that's fair. But as you could probably figure, my main influence is uh, ancient Christianity and both Jewish apocalypticism, ancient Christian Gnosticism, and that kind of whole universe of you know, splinter beliefs around that time period and, and very different um, conceptions of of, of theology uh, than we have today. But still, obviously, the Adam and Eve Garden of Eden story is the main influence. But I plugged that into the randomness. I kind of like the randomness kind of got me to a place where I figured that that would be a like that story fit the random things fairly well the first few random things very well. And then I kind of figured out how I could fit further randomness into that paradigm. So the, some of the first things that I generated were a random angel and a random devil or demon. Rather the random demon that I generated uh, is, uh, and you can see some of this didn't come up, but most of it did a God of vengeance whose home base is an emergency room at a city hospital who wants to destroy the environment supported by bored housewives. The God of vengeance appears to have one weakness smoke that didn't really come into play. Uh, Interestingly enough, the God of vengeance is fake. Um, So that was the demon. Uh, That's the snake, right? The city hospital is where you went first when you meet, when you met Adam and Eve before you knew who Adam and Eve was wants to destroy the environment. The snake wants to destroy its environment so that it can escape and destroy our environment, essentially, for its own gain. Uh, supported by bored housewives, that was one of the things that tipped me off to... Uh, well, first, the thing that tipped me off to... A, a god of vengeance that's fake made me think of, like... Made me think of the snake from the Garden of Eden in the first place, because mm-hmm. modern theology puts the devil and the snake in the same category but they might actually be kind of different that it's more complicated than that and so the idea of like something that has vengeance that it wants to it has a a goal of vengeance it wants to enact and its godhood is kind of fake made me think about uh, those things a lot and then supported by bored housewives i was like oh that makes me think of eve so i would have her be like the the person who gives you the mission so then Adam and Eve becomes the figure of, of both Adam and Eve. So that was the demon. And then the angel that I randomly rolled was a brilliant being with pupilless eyes stands in front of you. Their gaze pauses on you and you feel like fainting. Tattered, fluffy wings make the angel far more imposing. Their incredibly muscular body moves almost robotic and is wrapped in white cloth. They hold a scroll in one hand. It is surrounded by a pulsing energy, creating a protective barrier. You look at their gentle face one more. A look of disappointment is clear. That's what I got for the angel, which became the cherub, which was, they told you it was a demon, but it was the angel that you killed and then Sud took the place of. So those were the first, (laughs) those were the, like, the two things that kind of, like, got the wheels turning. I added some special sauce in there from research and from other randomness, uh, and then I plopped it into we've used this Don John dungeon generator before the website is called Don John and then yeah each 
each room had like a monster or something. And then I kind of thought about how I could fit that monster into the framework we already had and like what folklore I wanted to tie that monster in. Like the the little imps were actually uh, the dungeon called them hobgoblins. And so I was reading about hobgoblins and, you know, what they come from. And and hobs are like in the same sense of like borrowers or little people or brownies, these like little creatures that live in your house that like do tasks when you're not looking. Um, and hobs specifically have like a bit of a more mischievous connotation to them than like brownies the other kind of mythical figure that does a similar thing. Hmm. And so that made me think of like a house demon because we're demons, not goblins this this chapter. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to work them in. <laughs> so like, what does a house demon look like? And that's why I, we did the like the childhood scenes. Hmm. So that's one example of like what I did with the dungeon. The animal room was a similar thing, but I don't want to get too far into it because that's one of the things that I want to kind of keep behind my screen. But that's that's generally it. You can, like I realize it's not our our full look of the randomness like we usually get, but I think that gives some insight. It's yeah. a good signpost for later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of the dungeon? It was cool. I liked it. it was a, it's was. it been a long time since we've just done a uh, dungeon. Like maybe yeah. since the beginning, right? Yeah. And I figured it would be fun to have this kind of harken back to season one in that sense. Because mm-hmm. that was a fun feel. It mm-hmm. was. And there was a there was a total nope room. I think we've had a total nope room in both dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> One look and we all said, I'll oh. take a pass. Thanks. That's a not going in big there. Big old nope. <laughs> it's like there's I don't know if y'all have seen Adventure Time or Bravest Warriors, but uh, there's one thing in Adventure Time where they walk up to this thing and it's obviously a trap and you know, it's like it's shed- setting up all of the ominous warnings that media does for traps and then the guy's just like would you like to come in and battle in combat and they're like no thanks nope. this is a trap <laughs> and just walk away <laughs> and then in bravest warriors on the first episode i think it's the first episode they're like stuck in a time loop but they don't really i mean they eventually get that they're in a time loop but they walk into a room and there's themselves laying dead on the floor and they're like uh-uh and they just walk <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. no, thank you and you all want to talk about your characters I mean, I think Sud got the happiest ending Sud could possibly have gotten. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. That's that's horror, baby. <laughs> I mean, living potentially forever with a dog. That's like ideal. That's true. <laughs> I love that ending, by the way. Like, we talked about this. I can't remember if it was, we were still recording when we talked about it, but like, yeah, that wasn't in the that wasn't in the yeah. <laughs> in the DM prep book. Um, <laughs> but like the second you said it, like I loved that conclusion. Well, that was I was I was moment. hoping for a moment like that that would yeah. kind of take it off of my rails in that finale. Not that we were on the, on my rails the whole time, but like you want to make sure that the finale has an off the rails moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was the time when you because I was thinking about because I had been thinking about it, and when I had gotten quiet, which we had all assumed I had disconnected. Because I was actually processing, is this what Sud would do? And it was like, there's no way that this isn't something Sud would have done. Like, yeah. this is this is the same level of protect everything that he did on a much smaller scale at home 
at a much larger, much more at that point noble redemption y way. So it was like, yeah, absolutely he would have tried this plan, like, yep, hit the sword and like because what's the, the whole thing of it came to me when that last line was read about the flaming sword and I'm like, Well, I have a sword, so uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we just put this back the way it was? <laughs> and there's also something that I love about how that ended in that. And this is just like my interpretation of it. But nobody would remember Sud, but the Deep will always remember Sud. Mm-hmm. Which there's something very fascinating to me about that. Like, I always sort of picture like the Deep has all the knowledge of everybody who returns to it. Mm-hmm. And so like the deepest yeah. parts of the ocean know what one person did just like and that's like really like a powerful idea of the ocean knows how close things came and i like how that kind of connects you to the cherub as well that the creature that you killed because while it doesn't have the connection to like the depths that you know your party does through blood uh it, it is in a similar spot of like it has this incredibly important task that no one will ever hear about and it knows so much about how this place works, but knows that it's like it's been there for all eternity, right? Like, mm-hmm. so that's why it's like so defeatist in all of the intro. Yeah, like I don't know what to call them, but the little intro narrations or whatever. And so to like have that kind of defeatism replaced by Sud's like kind of resignation to duty. Yeah, uh, was an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, yeah, I really like how Sud ended up like. This very quiet, like, grim person on a... I think I'd always assumed Sud was on a very, very bad trajectory. So when I say this is the best possible ending for him, I think that's real. Like, this is yeah. this is the best way that Sud could have ended what he saw as a threat of his bloodline and still do something amazing for the world. Like, it might be hell to me, but some people just need stability. (laughs) (laughs) What about Blood or Anita? Yeah, Blood, man. I mean, gosh, in so many ways, Blood was like the character I was born to play. (laughs) (laughs) She she was everything I ever wanted in a character. It's so uh, ridiculous that you got fish person from like I know it's not necessarily what you're talking about, but it's so ridiculous that you got fish person because it yeah. was literally just like creepy pasta generator, and the first sentence was like a creature from the depths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean in a lot of ways I am talking about a fish person, and and you know I mean because we are the sum of of our experiences, like all the characters I've played on this show. I still haven't played a ton, ton of stuff outside of the show. So in the few games that I have played outside of the show, I do tend to be a lot more murdery. (laughs) (laughs) I I like problem solving and I like trying to solve situations without having to murder. But I also do like to do a murder. So So Blood was really great because she was just like, I don't fucking care. I will. I'll do a murder and I'll also be your friend, whichever it's kind of up to you. I like that. Like blood's specific murder style too, was like 
no nonsense. Just like mm-hmm. I pick up the gun and I shoot it. Like I'm yeah. not here for style. But, like we're yeah, essentially yeah. in like Blade or whatever, and mm-hmm. you're like I don't know, like John Wick or something, where it's like you are about like clean execution in this really stylized combat world, and that yeah. was really fun to watch. No magic, no fluff, no like fancy sword moves. Yeah. Just like I have a gun, I'm gonna point it at your face because yeah. it's more likely to kill you. Yeah. No, I really liked Blood. <sighs> I'll miss her. Should we go to Anita? Yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, so, Anita, I'm really excited to play Anita again. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because, unlike the other two, like it wasn't a fully, I don't feel like Anita's a fully realized character yet. Um, mm-hmm. I know some details about Anita, and I know what she would do in certain situations, but I just don't, I don't, I didn't really... Like, she doesn't have a full story yet, you know? I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of agree, yeah. I feel like you're where I usually am, where, like, it takes me a little while <laughs> to get my feet, and it takes me a little while to decide who my character is and to kind of feel it out, whereas, like, Blood, Blood was just like, oh, I know this girl. I'll be <laughs> you, you got two sentences in, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Plus, it works that Anita is like young, so she herself mm. isn't a <laughs> you know she's a, she's not she's a fully fledged out. person yet herself Anita. in some ways. <laughs> right, she's still trying to figure out her own thing, and I don't know. I like like I said, I, I know a lot of details about her. Like she's really confident to the point of it being a flaw. <laughs> like like just knowing for sure that she could get out, although she did. So like whatever. <laughs> been a, been a so far, you um, don't know if you're you you are you know you're out of the frying pan. You don't know what you <laughs> fell into. Look, uh, no, it, I'm not even worried about it though. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Everything's always fine. <laughs> so yeah, I'm 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 excited to play some more Anita and figure out where that where that leads. And also, I'm just like it. Uh, we just do a good job at wrapping stuff up into a nice, like in a nice, satisfying way, you know? And so like, even the one who didn't really get a full story is like, it's cool. We're going to continue. This. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I figured it would be you taking the hat because it was your hat, but mm-hmm. like, I wanted to leave it open in case like we wanted, uh, in case there was some shenanigans where blood could figure a way to where like, you know, maybe it would be better to have her take the, hat because of her connection to the depths in some way. I don't know. I wanted to have that open, but I think you're right that it, that it just really does fit like a, I was going to say fit like a glove. I guess it fits like a hat to have. It's like a really, like a snapback person with a normal sized head, not like me, but a normal sized head. To have it be that, to, (laughs) to have it be Anita, because I think like I, and I bet the listener agree that like Anita's story is the one that like, it's not like it felt less fleshed out. It just felt like like sudden blood. It felt like we they were people whose stories we were catching near their ends anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it Absolutely. it feels like we're catching Anita near the beginning of hers, not just because she's younger. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to say before I use that as a transition? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So that cliffhanger of Anita riding the hat back to, you know, I guess forwards to nineteen forty seven. At, at creating the Roswell incident. <laughs> that is all that I have set in stone, period, for the rest of the timeline going forward. So, like, I don't have any... De- I, 
And I also, oh, I have the name too, Orville. I have it written down somewhere, but it was Orville something of the FBI agent that arrested you. Those are the only things that I have because I don't even know for sure if I want. So the next chapter, we're playing a game called the Agents Agents of the ODD, which is like uh, like X-Files adjacent. Like it's got Bigfoot on the cover. You are agents of like a section of the federal government that deals with cryptids and unexplained phenomena so like x-files um but i don't necessarily know if that chapter has to take place in the 40s around roswell or if that or if like we actually want it to be like in the 90s like the x-files itself Mm. Uh, and maybe anita is like a much older person that we're following whatever uh maybe we do want to do it at the 40s but all of that is left open but that gives us a place to start with um, our world building exercise today, because we're going to be playing a tiny bit of microscope. So looking at the timeline, so if the first one happened around 1847, so it would be like a hundred year jump. Yep. So we have like a hundred years between uh, of a jump. That's a lot of years. I mean, yeah. And like. That's kind of the deal with microscope yeah. is like you've got this huge swath of time mm-hmm. and the way microscope works is we essentially the reason it's called microscope is we take those very loose eras that we've generated our kind of more modern X-Files era and our industrial fantasy horror era of slayers we have those kind of as our endpoints and we can zoom in to anywhere in the middle there to either like explain how we get from one vibe to the other or follow up on characters or drill down into like you know any new things that come up that we find interesting so that's the goal here i figure i'll be the lens and maybe we just do one round per intermission okay episode and i'll start as the lens just to kind of show it uh in this episode so as the lens i am picking a focus for our our one round of microscope that we're going to be playing right now. (laughs) And so we have two things in front of us. You're typically playing this on a table with note cards. So you can imagine we have two note cards in front of us. One of them says Slayers 1800s, and one of them says Agents of ODD 1900s, right? Like those are two eras, or I guess it's just 1800s and 1900s are really Mm -hmm. our two eras. And then from there... I'm going to pick a focus, and then I'm going to add an event to one of the two cards that deals with that focus. So the focus that I'm going to pick is, I think we should discuss what happens to magic between Slayers and our next chapter. Because I think like I think that probably will change because of the events of this season, and I want to see how that changes, because that might let us know a lot of things about the 1900s. So <clears throat> so I have chosen that as our focus. And so now I have to add something to our two imaginary note cards that are in front of us. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to add an event under the 1800s. So this isn't like me proposing a scene. This is just me proposing like a general historical event that is happening in the 1800s. And that is we'll just call it the rotation. If you remember in the finale, there was that moment where like the roots kind of rotated around blood, like when she left mm-hmm. the, the deepest part of the roots. The, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, the entrance kind of like rearranged. So I was thinking maybe that could be a whole event of like kind of the rules are changing and like magic is kind of trying to hide itself to some extent and the rules are, are changing because it's actively rotating. So that's my event. And now it goes to the next person in the list, which I think we said was Greg, to add either another event onto either card or add a scene to the event that I just proposed. That scene being like a way that we can explore that how that event affects like individual people, whether they be people we've seen before or people we want to make up for this. So the event is magic trying to hide itself, right? Exactly. Yep. So I think like the Victorian era had a lot of, they were big on occultism and mysticism and so many novels and all of that came out like Christmas Carol and all those things were very vogue. And I think that the forces of magic did that thing where it saturates the market and then everybody's sick of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We've explored all of that. And then science was like, well, you haven't seen us yet. And so with just a little couple of nudges in an already sort of flooded market, people were like, oh, all that's fake. And there's a bunch of debunkers. And, you know, here's this science Mm -hmm. that's coming around and saying that none of this was real. And this is new and exciting. And we get electric lights. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think like magic in and of itself was just saying, let's, Let's hide by being so in the open that nobody pays attention to us anymore. So it sounds like you are adding a scene to my event. Yeah. You're kind of adding detail to my event. So who do, like, what types of, whether it's, like, just a random Victorian citizen or, like, an NPC, I guess there weren't really that many NPCs in Slayers, or, like, a PC or someone related to the PCs from Slayers, who do we want to, like, focus in on? Um, I think, like, we'll focus in on, like, a not yet met debunker, like a person mm-hmm. that actively goes around and debunks things. Darren Bunker. <laughs> <laughs> Camilla Paulson. Ooh. Uh, sorry, are you are you gonna play Camilla? Yeah, I'll play Camilla. Uh, and what what is she debunking right now? So I think Camilla is in New York, and she is in a high society seance, like. One of the last ones of somebody trying to connect. I think I think what the reality is is somebody's trying to connect with something in the roots. Mm. Like somebody in the room knows that's real and she is there to actively debunk hmm. the whole thing. Like, this is ridiculous. If this place existed, we would have seen it. We have things like planes. Cool. I think um Maybe it's like some sort of seance adjacent thing where like someone is trying to, yeah, I can be your, uh, if you want to play off me, I can be, ooh, I got to be Madame something. Let me find a name generator. (laughs) (laughs) Hippie name generator. (laughs) I'll just put Madame in front of it. Ooh, Madame Ethereal. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll be Madame Ethereal. uh, And then do you want to just like interrupt interrupt my seance? So, okay, so I'll be like, and now if I could have all of the participants at the table hold hands at this point, I'm going to need your energies to synchronize because this is the moment at which we need to be at peace so that the beyond can 
reach out to us and find us in peace and not in strife and thus yes um, yes uh, everybody do hold hands so that we can't feel her shake her feet or wrap the table with her legs yes make sure your hands are occupied and in no way touching anything important yes everybody grab hands excuse me ma'am who are you oh i'm camilla paulson surely you've read of me she says no, but clearly she has. She's like, no, I haven't. Anyway, she tries to continue. Do you interrupt, interrupt her again? Uh, go ahead. This, this should be exciting. I'm sure this time it's real. <laughs> I think what happens is, like, Madame Ethereal, like, goes for her... For Madame Ethereal, it's always been half magic, half show. And, you know, when her trickery... When she, like, kind of messes up with the sleight of hand, she can count on the real magic of the place that she's in to, like, catch that mistake and, like, fill in that gap. Like, that's kind of the mm -hmm. the racket that she's running is she's, like, doing the seance from a place that's already magical. So if she fucks up the magical catcher and, like, it's not catching her. Yes. As you've noticed, she's made sure that the lights are dim so that you oh can't see what she's doing with her hands either or the stuff that she has hidden in her lap. Of course, so turn up the lights so that we all can get a good look at what the Grand Madame is doing right now. Please call forth. Call forth. Who is it? Begins with an R, maybe, or a J. Does anybody know a J? Oh my god, my dad's name was Jerry. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I'm talking to Jerry now. What did Jerry like to do? Wait, why wouldn't you know that? Hmm, why wouldn't I? Perhaps because Jerry's not actually here. Isn't that right, madame? Maybe we finish it there because it sounds like you have completely taken over my seance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's where the scene that's like that's where the scene ends, is it like that yeah. little zoom in kind of represents what happened to the whole culture of like Yeah. And I think like the look on Mathematical's face of why isn't this working is like where the camera lingers for a bit. Cause I think she probably mm -hmm. can't get it back because everything failed. And she is no longer in control of the show. And like, yeah. maybe that's what it is. It's like, there have been a lot of people that have like been able to build out that these sort of livelihoods as like people profiteering off of magic. And now that magic is not answering to them. And so science is, taking their customers away because science is doing things that show people things. So yeah, that's kind of the idea of like how microscope works. We figured out more about the transition by doing that scene. So now it goes to, was it Lee next? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So Lee, you can either add an event, which is what I did where I said, oh, I think this thing is happening generally in the 1800s period and then kind of set it up for one of us to later to add a scene to it. Mm-hmm. You could add a period if you want to go back to the 1700s or you want to look at the 2000s. You could add a period or you could add a scene to the event that we've already talked about, the uh, magic hiding itself away. What sounds fun to you? Well, I want to know if I can do something. Yeah. I want Atlantis to sink. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that sounds like you're adding an event. When do you think that happens? After Greg's. Before planes get good. So, I don't know. World War One, Like, right before that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so we could call this, an, like, the first event that happens in the 1900s. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Do you have an idea of what might have caused it? I... 
So I think this is we're we're sort of setting it up that the magic is changing. The magic is like protecting itself, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, the last place that humans aren't getting too nosy about and are having mm. still a hard time with is the ocean. And so Atlantis right, right. is just like, fuck this noise, I'm sinking. I like that as like a turning, because it, it's like a turning point too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because like, it's like oh, even Atlantis is sunk now. Yeah, yeah. Like with the magic is withdrawing from the world. Mm-hmm. I want, I do want to make it, I think it's like, um, you know, Atlantis and the part of the ocean where like blood and, and all that is happening are not the same. But mm-hmm. obviously it causes like a big I'm sure currents stir. would change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it, it changes things a lot. And mm-hmm. I think probably like Blood's like family, the city that she's in, like all of that has to also retreat even further. Yeah. Like, like yeah. everything is just more cut off and more like yeah. I don't think anyone else is making deals anymore. You know, like Right. All that's done. No one's coming back from the deeps. No one's making mm. trips to the to the surface anymore. No one's trading with the locals. Like even the fish are quarantined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's retreating and like closing in. I think. Yeah, I like that. Logan, do you want to add a period, uh, an event, or a scene? Well, I can't add any more periods, right? Because we have two. Aren't those? Uh, you could add a third period if you want to, like, vaguely gesture to what what's happening in the 1700s or 2000s or beyond that in either way. Mm. Well, no, I think the setup for the next season would be that while magic is protecting itself, it still expresses itself. And especially after 100 years has gone by after this event, you know, um, mm-hmm. it feels a little bit like it can peak out. Uh, so there have been. That's that's the reason for this, the agents of odd to investigate. You know, mm-hmm. weird stuff has been happening with no explanations. Like people have long, like magic is just a story that people have. Like that, that's what people assume it always was. I mean, the, yeah, the biggest magic you saw last season was a thing written on a piece of paper. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it like it acts, but it goes by the rules. It's old as dirt, whereas. It sounds like you're describing something that's kind of not playing by the old rules. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, uh, well, I mean, and Anita did some magic that was pretty spectacular, I thought. For sure, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this isn't like cast lightning bolt. This is just weird shit happens Yeah. without explanation. And I think that's just like, I think it's like magic being shy and like checking the scene. So like, mm-hmm. can... Are humans going to be fucked up about this again, or can I come out again, or what? I think that's what it is. Does that make sense? Does cool. that work? Absolutely. So the the microscope board as I see it, in because I think we'll call it there, that'll be our round. We have two periods. We have the 1800s and the 1900s. Under the 1800s, we have one event, which is uh, what I call the rotation, which is the beginning of magic kind of hiding away. We have the scene in there that looked at what it's like as science is kind of, uh, and, and kind of rationalism is, is taking hold in our world. Uh, we saw that with Madame Ethereal and Camilla Paulson. Camilla Paulson. 
And then our second period is the 1900s, and the two events that we have there are the sinking of Atlantis and thus a lot of life changing under the sea, as well as magic popping its head back up, but in way, or at least weird stuff popping its head back up, but in ways that we might not have recognized it. I like that setup. I think yeah. that plus whatever randomness I roll up in the next few days, I think that gives us a lot to go on for Agents of Odd. Yeah. What do y'all think? I like it. Yeah, me too. I'm digging it. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at VREcast or email us at hi at VRE.show. Check out our website at VRE.show for a listening guide, links to everyone's Twitter, and our shop for some really cool stuff like enamel pins and trading cards and some wonderful pronoun pins and all sorts of great stuff. So go check it out and see what fancies you. If you want to help us out, you can rate and review us uh, and tell a friend about us. We are still trying to get up to 200 reviews, so please give us a review, and you'll probably be right on the show. Uh, If you enjoy what we do, consider backing us on Patreon. We release a bonus show each month along with a whole bunch of other extras. You can check that out at patreon.com slash vre. To all of our patrons, we thank you so much for supporting us. Is that Belch 500? Huh? (laughs) All right. One creature from beyond, Belch 500, says, Excuse me. Just what I needed. You got to do it 500 times, wheels. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not that if committed. If you're going to commit to the bit, just what I needed. This is the type of podcast I needed in my life. I've never played a tabletop RPG before, but have recently gotten into tabletop podcasts, and the concept of a randomized elements is super satisfying. I just binged the whole first season in a day. Dang. Damn. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to listening further. This is the first podcast I've ever checked out where I didn't know any of the hosts prior to listening, and I have to say I was not disappointed. That's awesome. Aww. Thanks, Belch. Cool. Thank you. Mm. Thanks. Four five hundred Belches out for Belch five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone is destined for greatness. Nope. Oh, nope. I was Sorry, where that was I going. just fucked it. Okay. <laughs> 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 it wasn't fucked it up. It was fucked it, which is a different vibe. <laughs> oh, I fucked it. Uh, <laughs> real good. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> this is a challenging episode and we haven't even started. <laughs> <laughs>